Warning, this program typically features respectful, nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations. We, we, we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse, the fifth column. Greetings, and welcome back to another exciting installment of the Fit column podcast this is your weekly rhetorical assault on the media the people that make it and i don't even remember it's oh the news cycle the people that make it and it yeah, yeah. but also the media the media very the rarely media ourselves actually yeah but it is rarely ourselves because we're usually right about these things and by we totally. i'm referring to michael moynihan editor at large um no he's all nice. messing everything what? up today this yeah. is terrible michael <laughs> moynihan is at vice news of penthouse and, Forum. and matt welch is the editor at large of reason magazine and I this episode the sex is strictly yeah. for my negus. Yeah. Boom. Oh, that's See what I did there. Oh, okay. Is that a Greek, is it, Greek friend of yours? No. Yes. <laughs> no, I said negus. Strictly negus. Stavros. Um, negus is an Ethiopian word. It's not, it's not Greek. It means Ethiopian royalty. Okay. Just for the record. Has gone off the rails yet or are we at yeah. bounds still? I think we're at bounds. Aren't you going to ask us about how we are, Camille? Or are you just not I am concerned anymore? about how you are. <clears throat> how are you? <laughs> it's good. Registering concern. About how you are. After being prodded. Can you ask me if I'm okay? <laughs> Please clap. Yeah, ask me why I'm bleeding out of my eye. Were you assaulted by a group of Brazilians carrying luxury goods, Gucci sunglasses oh, or yeah. something like Just, that? Isn't that what happened to you? In Connecticut. Yeah. yeah. In New Canaan. What I'm if, so sorry this is happening to you. What if Lindsey Graham just decided that from now on he was just going to go total surrealist I know. and just like be like, so Mamu Dogface in the banana patch... Do you have to tell the good people before we introduce our guest so you know who he is because it's on the podcast description? But um, this is never a good reveal. But explain what you're talking about. It's hard to say, but Lindsey Graham apparently went on the television today or yesterday. It was yesterday, whatever. It was yesterday. And we're recording this on Thursday, so you'll hear it uh, in November. And um, and he went on the television and said, you know, right now there are people. Every, every time you take shots like that, I just cut it. Yeah, I know. I, I, know. I just yeah, cut that motherfucker. A, it's a test. Until you learn to cut a podcast. Yeah. Until you learn, well, I, you, yeah, yeah. you'll get I to make those dishes. It <laughs> yeah, you can do it. Because uh, listeners would you really, can. really hate to hear someone register their complaints. Uh, so yeah. anyways, Lindsey Graham went on some uh, cable television thing. And was talking about like immigrants to this country. He's like, and and then in in Connecticut, they got the Brazilians, and they're not just any Brazilians, but they're coming in here with like Gucci handbags. We had forty thousand Brazilians come through the Yuma sector alone, headed for Connecticut, wearing designer clothes and Gucci bags. This is not economic migration anymore. People see an open America; they're taking advantage of us, and it Let won't be long before a terrorist gets in this crowd. I have no I fucking <laughs> idea what he was talking about. How are they getting to Connecticut? With their Gucci loafers and handbags. In their Bentleys, obviously. Their, I mean, if they're apparently flying to like Idlewild Airport. The Eastern Waterway there, the, you know, oh. uh, there on the coast that there. That could not have been his fully formed thought. So I'm wondering what was the actual thought before <laughs> it was translated into that? Does anybody know? Ethan, you know, you're like breaking the fourth wall here. We haven't introduced you yeah. yet. You can't ask questions. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Jeez. You're like a little chaos. I thought you would do the thing. I'm sorry. I mean, I thought you would do the thing, speaking of breaking the fourth wall, where the person interjects and then you go, that voice is. That's what I was. That's what I was anticipating. Yeah. Why don't you just, since yeah. you're going to do my job for me, since you're going to white explain to me, Ethan, why don't yeah. you just keep going? Go ahead. Introduce yeah. yourself. It's great to have another racist on the show. And Jesus. apparently everyone even tangentially mm-hmm. related yeah. to sports is super racist. Yeah. So go ahead, uh, Ethan. God. Show us how it's done. <laughs> Hi, I'm, I'm Ethan. Yeah. How, how are you guys doing? Ladies and gentlemen, the next coach of the Raiders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ethan Strauss. 
super duper racist misogynist, homophobe. Welcome, uh, Ethan. Ethan Strauss. The listener can't see this, but but Camille is cocking his head at me. You know, he's he's got his arms <laughs> yeah, oh, crossed. Yeah. They can hear it. Yeah, but, yeah. You can hear true. that if you know, if you know how to listen. <laughs> this is called resting. This is called resting blackface. Yeah, that's right. that's works. yeah. resting. <laughs> just like, angry. Is that what just Dan Aykroyd was doing in hiding place? Yeah, I thought it was Al Jolson <laughs> at, at sleeping. <laughs> this is Ethan's second time on the podcast. Is it? Yes, it is. You were you, you like were nodding off on Ritalin or something. I don't know what. It's the opposite. Uh, that happens. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> drugs. You're asking the wrong guy. Uh, mm-hmm. He was on before, and in between those two important milestones in his life, he has gone solo. Yeah. Yes. He's rocking a Substack. Left the athletic and is the proprietor of the House of Strauss on Substack. It's super good, man. There's a podcast associated with it. I'm not going to pretend that i've listened to it because it's i don't listen to podcasts but i read words and it's uh it's just really really uh really great and i recommend people and i don't even have to be an nba fan or sports fan sort of wide-ranging uh feels like you're hitting your stride so i hope you didn't like shoot all your bullets already and it's just all like you're you know you don't have anything left but you're ethan is it mostly is it mostly nba is that like a majority of the sports writings about the nba so there's almost a scheme to it. Um, I think it's a lot of cultural commentary and there's sports, but there's also this element because I'm a businessman where I will sprinkle some NBA intel there. <laughs> and that is usually what I put behind the paywall. Uh, look, I, I put on Twitter oh. that I was going to put a paywalled post up about the Oklahoma City Thunder. And then my inbox just starts flooding with at wolves.com at hornets.com and my phone is ringing because the PR guy from the Oklahoma City Thunder is freaking out over whatever is going to be up there and I I thought to myself hmm, this is kind of good right here I can be a you know Bloomberg <laughs> terminal and then uh I, it sounds pretentious to say any other kind of cultural commentary magazine but you know what I mean so it's almost multi-tiered in that way um the NBA is a bit of an well, anchor. If you know I'm going to intervene by the way I can intervene yeah. there's one thing I can intervene on Ethan because mm-hmm. I went to high school with the general manager of the Oklahoma uh, Thunder, uh, uh, Sam Presti, is uh, oh, wow. from Concord, Massachusetts, and graduated a couple years before me. And uh, my dad was his baseball coach. So I wow. think I still have a few favors that I can call on in the NBA. If you get a little pressure for them, talk to me. I knew him 28 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a fascinating person. I didn't even anticipate that we would, we would start off on this. But I, I wrote about him and I wrote about them. Because he's obsessed with spycraft. And there was that book Moneyball that was so popular in corporate boardrooms. All about how you can beat the big guys as the underdog if you have better data. And if you look at the stats and that's our edge, we're playing Moneyball. The Thunder, they don't really have a name for it. Uh, Maybe you could call it Spyball, Secret Ball, whatever term you want to say. But they are constantly uh, pumping everybody for information all the time. Uh, They are working copacetically with a major agency, and there's a lot of favor trading behind the scenes, it would seem. And you hear all sorts of weird stories about uh, Sam Pressy brought me in, uh, said that they were going to maybe hire me as a coach, and he just asked me questions. No, not me. I'm saying generally. Oh, you hear stories wow. from oh, people. Okay. From people. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was going to say, the man's <laughs> lost his mind. He's like fucking Kurtz. Apocalypse <laughs> 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 now. That's my, that's, my fault. that's my fault for doing a, a poor expository. But he, a coach will say, he brought me in uh, and he just pumped me with questions for hours. And then there was never another phone call. And there are all sorts of stories like that where maybe the most, uh, the, the weirdest one to me was, 
they were thinking about drafting Gordon Hayward years and years ago. Gordon Hayward out of, uh, I think, Indiana mm-hmm. uh, is where he grew up. And Sam Presti interviewed his middle school teacher just as a measure of the insane level of detail and due diligence. He interviewed. I can get you his teacher. middle school teacher. So, <laughs> if you want to fucking flip the script on him. <laughs> wow. So hyper intel, like he's got PIs working for him out there. Yeah. Well, my dad taught him it, well. It's it's a game. It's I mean, that I don't really think that was useful information, but it just speaks to how legendarily maniacal he is. Um, and I would add maybe even a little Machiavellian because he doesn't give any information to reporters, but he has sussed out that reporters are uh, cheap whores and they just yeah. like any sort of attention. And so he has all kinds of lunches <laughs> with uh, NBA media people where he tells them fuck all he tells them nothing but he takes them out to lunch and then they feel i have a friend and i always thought that was and they smart. tell it, him shit yeah yeah exactly yeah. and he asks about other teams and they tell so he's about essentially other teams. the better mm. journalist here because yeah. that's like a good journalist move he, <laughs> he, he's, he's the implacable george smiley and tinker taylor soldier spy oh, right. <laughs> just kind of peering hey. into you giving you nothing and just waiting for you to reveal all wow nice yeah, I wonder so, who the Bill well, Hayden even, in this uh, equation is. But uh, that's a Tinker Taylor. How, how are you enjoying your independence now, having having moved over to Substack? What's that experience been like? I'm loving it. It's been incredible, and it was scary uh, because you're just defining whatever you're doing by yourself, and if people aren't into it, it's doubly bad. It's financially bad, but it's also horrible for the ego, and it's a total humiliation. So. Uh, I was really scared going in. I didn't know if it would resonate. I wrote 5,000 words on Nike advertising. Mm-hmm. I remember. I had no clue how that was going to go. I thought it was great. Thank you. It did pretty well, and it's okay. And then there's this feeling of there are all sorts of possibilities, and I'm relying a lot on uh, my subscribers who are smart. I, I feel a lot of pressure sometimes. Like I can't let them down, and I've... I've loved it. I don't want to shit on the last place I worked. I thought I was treated very well, but um, this is better for me. But and you I'm- can't even mention it by name is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I won't even mention those fucking scumbags yeah. by name. Um, I, I will yeah. say that I'm I'm friendly with the proprietors of that establishment. Yeah, so. great guys. Um, yeah. I, I like we haven't named the establishment probably. yeah Are we I, I actually did earlier oh, but, oh. but Ethan won't say it's, it now okay. so I feel a little it's weird Yankee about it magazine right yeah <laughs> athletic support I, they're the competition yes. now is, is the problem I worked for the athletic uh, Southern I, living I, they were very nice about me wanting to do something else and I'm very much appreciative to them but this is just a better fit I think I I just got a little bit tired of the grind of sports writing and you don't want to let other people down. You don't want to just follow uh, whatever seems interesting to you. if It's not serving what they're doing. So I just wanted to get out ahead of it. And I'm very thankful that I did. It's fantastic. Ethan, was there was there any political component to it? And the, so many people we know that went to Substack did so because they were being squeezed at their own publication for political reasons or some political culture reasons within the organization. Yours was just... Wanting to go independent or were you butting heads with people at your previous employer for these reasons? It's it's a little more complicated than being squeezed. Uh, It wasn't like anybody was standing over my shoulder saying, you can't say this or you can't say, but there was this feeling. It's it's sort of hard to articulate. It's not that somebody uh, I was being oppressed. I wasn't being bullied on Slack like Barry Weiss. (laughs) Nothing like that was happening. (laughs) But there was a sense of there were things that I want to say and I'm going to create a problem for you. 
and and I like you, whether you're my boss or the proprietors. Mm-hmm. You know, I like you guys. I don't want to end up saying things that are going to adversely impact you and lead to messes that you feel like you have to clean up. I would rather just own that mess. I would rather just take the risk mm-hmm. myself and experience the downsides if it comes. It was a lot of that sentiment, a lot of that feeling that I think led me to say, yeah, I just want to do something else. Our listeners are like, what the fuck does Ethan Strauss believe? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so here are my theories on slavery. No, 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 Ethan, stop. (laughs) Walk backwards. For example, like your last essay, um, which is really interesting and discursive and talking about old aging boomers in the Berkeley Hills who've succeeded, but they're kind of sour and rancid. You kind of take shots at Greg Popovich. informed, interesting shots at him because Greg Popovich at this point in his, you know, legendary coaching career for the San Antonio Spurs kind of gives these uh, kind of statements about American society. And he was talking about Columbus Day in this case, but it almost kind of doesn't matter too much. And he's treated generally when he says this with nothing but outpourings of affection for like, you know, Mm -hmm. he's just calling it like it is. Steve Kerr also gets this. uh, And obviously you wrote a book about the Golden State Warriors. um, And and part of what you wrote about, it's like, yeah, I don't, you know what? It's kind of cheap, his approach uh, 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 in this particular quote, but also kind of generally, like uh, uh, not as a coach, but as mm. a, someone who feels like he can make these, you know, grand statements about what school districts are doing in San Antonio, Texas, or some shit like that. Is that yeah. the type of thing that you would have felt weird about writing at the athletic or anywhere else? Yeah, I think so. I, I'm not saying okay. it would prevent me from doing so, but you would hear footsteps, right? That That's so. And I just didn't want to have to hear the footsteps anymore. And frankly, uh, not to ruin the beginning of this podcast with too much uh, sincerity. Uh, Already but, done, Ethan. Uh, <laughs> Way uh, past but, that point. But I think I'll, what you guys have done, uh, I'm quite friendly with uh, Jesse Singal, what he has done with, with Katie Herzog with their podcast. Yeah. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of showed me that, holy shit, you can say sane things in public and it can maybe work out for you a little bit. So just seeing that there is this sense of, I would rather just go do it now. I would rather do it now rather than play out the last two years of my contract and see if it works. And I do believe that in life, the big moves that you choose, as opposed to the big reactive moves, the big, the big ones you tend to choose work out better. You feel like you have more ownership of them. And so far, uh, so far, it's been like that. But with the Popovich thing, uh, yeah, I did take some shots at him, but I I do try to be generous. I'm trying to be generous yeah. when I take shots. I, I don't like a lot of the style of how shots are taken, that kind of X, that, that Gawker style. Not that they, mm-hmm. I guess they do exist again in a weird capacity, but it's just, I don't like the approach of this person's bad, they're all bad, and that kind of, it's clever, but it's not really that descriptive. I'm thinking about how John Oliver would describe Tucker Carlson as a sentient boat shoe. And yeah, I guess that's a good line, <laughs> but that doesn't tell you much about what is like what is happening in the culture, right? If you like like Tucker Carlson or hate him, that doesn't actually inform you. Oliver very also much. has, I think, 35 writers. I'm serious. I think it's either 35 or 40 writers. I mean, it's yeah. incredible. They wow. you could field like seven uh, little league teams with uh, with the number of people coached by your dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Sam Presti. Wow, <laughs> who's apparently a mocky of yelling an asshole. I mean, kind of makes me interested in the yeah, Thunder for the first time ever. Yeah. But I'm gonna yeah. call. Well, yeah, I would. I, I would. Think even you, mm. you, 
you've kind of cultivated like an interesting niche for yourself in that you're you're covering sports, but you're also covering a lot of the cultural dynamics that are playing out in society more broadly and the intersection with sports. And you're also interviewing journalists, friends of yours and writers and all sorts of other interesting stuff. So I, I love how your Substack is emerging as this amalgam of all of the stuff that is generally interesting to you. I think it's really fascinating to watch. But I also think it's very helpful to know that there is someone thinking in a in an interesting, un, unmoored in some respects from kind of the the general like cultural milieu that I know that the NBA is steeped in and the NFL is kind of steeped yeah, in yeah. when these controversies are starting to play out. And there is a bunch of cultural controversies oh, yeah. at the moment. Um, the We already laughed about the John Gruden fiasco with the Las Vegas Raiders, almost at Oakland, yeah. almost, almost, at LA. almost um, <laughs> with uh, Sage Steele at ESPN, who I believe was supposed to be coming back to air today, if I'm not mistaken. Huh. I don't know if that actually happened. Rachel Nichols, uh, who was also formerly of ESPN and is now, I don't know where, maybe I suspect you do know. And the, Kyrie Irving oh, is yeah. the other thing that Speaking I was thinking about. Speaking of guys about. who walked out on this contract, right? <laughs> uh, so... I wonder, I want to talk about some of those things because I think they have broad implications for the rest of the the culture and they intersect with our politics in very meaningful ways. I mean, the Kyrie Irving conversation is one that I think is really, really interesting um, because so much of the exchange that I hear, I saw like Jay Williams got into a, a nasty fight with Stephen A. Smith on ESPN the other day. It was like, Stephen A. Smith is going to take his head off, um, which kind of makes me a little happy as a former um, Maryland alum back then we used to have ACC battles between Duke and the Duke and Maryland. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember cheering, um, cheering against, no, we, we were talking about his mom and swearing at him, JJ Riddick. Uh, it was really bad. We were terrible. It was just a terrible, terrible. I love that that was also coincides with your religious period. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, there was like, like racism and homophobia. Yeah. Yeah. It did, didn't you? Yeah. It was so bad. God it was damn so, I mean, yeah. I can't even. <laughs> he, 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 he we say very, a lot of things here. I can't say those things here. Reddick had terrible poetry. I, I think that was something that was uh, worth at least commenting on around that time. I know he's a very astute yeah. commentator now. I just remember watching a clip of him reading his poetry because ESPN was trying to get oh, no. you the other side of Reddick and, uh, and say, hey, this guy. <laughs> and I just remember the line. Yeah, I remember he was a notorious it. troll, too. Yeah, I remember it. And he was reading from it. He goes, I want to soar like a condor. <laughs> that's all I remember. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you what, that's a great line. Yeah, uh, You know, you guys can laugh all you want, but I'm going to borrow that one. Yeah, yeah he's like oh Philip Larkin. Of... <laughs> it's like Phil Philip Collins Larkin. says, <laughs> Phil Collins says the simple lyrics are the best for those breakup songs. Yeah. Maybe it's, it's similar. Sure. Hey. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. where were we? Where were we? Oh yeah, the Kyrie Irving. Well, I, was, I was saying that the Kyrie, the Kyrie thing just it intersects with our broader politics because the conversation is all about whether or not Kyrie is doing the right thing mm. by decide. And I should say Kyrie Irving, all-star NBA champion who plays point guard for the Brooklyn Nets has decided that he's not going to get vaccinated. And he's, he's been holding out all year. This drama has been playing out or at least throughout the beginning of the preseason here. And it went from a situation where it was like, okay, well, he can't play home games. Wow, this is going to be crazy. You can only play on the road. This is because, of, the Nets this is because of a, a mandate on the city and local level, mm-hmm. right? So the mandates right. affect the New York teams, the San Francisco teams, and the LA teams, from what I understand at this point. So it's like four, yes. five right. teams. Yes. So 
the, the Nets have a very unique challenge to navigate and the Nets eventually decide he can't play at all until he is vaccinated. He can't play at all. We're not playing these games. And it's a huge deal. I mean, the guy has a massive contract. Um, and this is, this is a, a championship contending team. But the conversation no one seems to be having around this is about the efficacy of the actual mandates themselves. Mm. It's only a conversation about whether or not Kyrie is making a good decision, whether or not Kyrie is drawing a line at the right place. And I should also say that in addition to Kyrie being famous for all of those other things that are mentioned, this is also Kyrie, the world is flat Irving. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. a crazy that guy. And, that, and that's worth mentioning. I mean, I have to say, his actual thoughts, because I saw him talking about it today, I don't think are all that interesting. Uh, he uh, was rambling. Uh, it wasn't very cogent. And he what's a little bit interesting is how even before this happened, people anticipated it happening within the NBA. He's the it's always something guy. And you were already hearing rumbling <laughs> before uh, mm-hmm. he oh, he's he's not going to do this. He's going to create this issue um because he does attention getting things and whatnot but what's interesting to me it's it's not Kyrie it's the media conversation around him because what's forgotten is that a little over a year ago the NBA had their playoffs in that hot and heavy summer of 2020 with everything that was happening and Kyrie who was injured Mm -hmm. and not playing in the playoffs had some haphazard phone call where he was trying to exhort other players uh to bow out and not do it and the boycott it um, and scuttle oh, the whole thing and, and all the, uh, which would have thrown the $7 billion NBA TV contract into jeopardy, but he was trying to get them so, to do that. Um, to, inter- to intervene for listeners who aren't, uh, aware of this, basically the world had shut down and the NBA, uh, was one of the first to open up. They created this bubble in Orlando, the Disney kind of ran it and you, know, you can all, y'all can correct me as I go, but like it then. Um, it was kind of amazing. Everyone got tested. You had to bring in the family. They couldn't leave. It was crazy. And it worked. It yeah. weirdly worked. It was the like the first example. And a whole bunch of people thought like, okay, that's it. They're all going to die. It's going to be terrible. And they made it work. So Kyrie was trying to organize and rally people to say to be refusenics back then. Yeah, he was trying to pop the bubble. And there might have been a little criticism around that time of his doing it. But then later on during the bubble, the Jacob Blake shooting happens. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks boycott. Uh, right. The other teams don't want to have the Milwaukee Bucks being the only team to do that. So they all boycott. And then you just had a flood of media and blue checkmark people saying Kyrie Irving was right. He is a bold activist. He is a wise person you should listen to. So this is the prologue mm. for what's happening right now, because the generalized media, uh-huh. I'm just generalizing it, same the media. He already had an incident where he was being questioned and criticized only to be validated and praised. And it's because around that time, he was saying things that are in line with what a lot of people in media wanted to you know, be said. I think since the 1960s, there's this affection for athlete activism, especially on racial issues. So they loved it and they don't necessarily have a handle on how they're part of this story and how they sometimes incentivize the players to say and do certain things and how it's dishonest in many instances. They build somebody up um, and the guy is just a guy and he's maybe not the most astute guy ever, but they build him up and try to tell the public that he's actually uh, a scholar and somebody they should look to because so many people in media are obsessed with platforms and obsessed with just almost being 
Hmm. propagandist for whatever the cause is of the moment. So there's this idea of, well, this guy, a lot of people uh, pay attention to him. And we've got this sort of paternalistic idea of what everybody needs to think and do. So we're going to hold him up. And then it ends up blowing up in their faces in an instance like this, where he's not doing the thing of the moment that they say needs to be done. And now they need to talk about how he's flat earth guy and he was an idiot the whole time. So the media dynamic is the most interesting thing to me here. Ethan, to, to, I'm somebody who's an MLB fan and not um, an NBA fan at all. I've just never been a basketball person. Racist. So, uh, uh, racist. I mean, clearly. I mean, there's, from, there's from yeah, literally no white like, nationalist. No, retired. Yeah. Loved, loved basketball <laughs> then. <laughs> loved it. Yeah. Nobody's <laughs> ever been better than Larry Bird. No, all wrong. Kevin McHale, best basketball player ever. <laughs> Scott I didn't know if he was good. It was, he was, uh, I think there was a guy who, uh, named Birdsong. On the Otis, Celtics, Otis Bird Otis song. Bird song. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> he was there for like a day. But dial that back for a second, just because, you know, I didn't actually remember this stuff. It's both because I hemorrhage information and because I'm not an NBA fan. But the Jacob Blake shooting happens and the Milwaukee Bucks start the trend of protesting what exactly? Just playing? They, they, just, yeah. they wouldn't play because a guy yeah. who was violating a restraining order who had sexually assaulted somebody and had a knife was shot by the police. Well, just, well, just, we didn't, we yeah. didnn't know anything. Yeah, All we knew was that a black a man had been shot in the back. Cut, though, isn't it? If you don't know anything. Well, I mean. <laughs> right? You it, might want to wait a second. Oh. Just, just want to make, sure, I just wanna make sure that I get it. It's a radical idea. Radical idea. But, but the, 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 <laughs> what I was going to ask you about was that it seems to me all to come back to this one thing. And it's not just my imagination. I keep on seeing this referenced. But it seems to me that, you know, when you have somebody who is in college, right? And they're a fantastic basketball player, but they're flunking out of everything. You hide that, right? You, you do yeah. everything you can to make sure they stay on the team. Whereas yes. with the Kyrie Irving, they're just like, well, let's get rid of him. We need to get, we need to just cancel, get rid of him now. We'll play home games or, or away games. But now let's just get rid of him. You would assume in some sense that they would try to actually cover that up. But the thing that's weird to me is that shift. And I think that you can trace it in some ways, not entirely, but to the Colin Kaepernick campaign for Nike. When everyone was mm-hmm. like, see, see, this type of activism is actually stuff that people love. It sells a lot and moves a lot of product. Mm. It sells a lot of sneakers, whatever it might be. Whereas now, I mean, when the Milwaukee Bucks do stuff, they, they, they seem to actually embrace this kind of these political stances. It's not something that people in the front office seem to be discouraging in any way. Am I wrong about that? Because I don't know a ton about the NBA, but it seems like they're like, OK, go. And there's nobody saying like, hey, you know what? This is actually kind of bad for the brand. And it yeah. creates these needless cultural battles that we don't want to fight right now. Uh, the 2020 playoffs were the biggest ratings disaster the NBA has ever seen. So it, oh. it would appear, it okay. would appear, and it was about a third of the audience for that finals um, as the finals that were happening in 2017, 2018. But this is even accounting for like online viewership and, and stuff yeah. like that? Because yeah. you've seen a lot of viewership shifting. Yeah, the NBA had it worse. When you fall two thirds off your, your finals, uh, your regular finals total, uh, it, was, it was all bad. But the NBA has had a bad trend line when it comes to viewership for a while. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that that's the only reason it happened. But I can definitely mm-hmm. say that Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, was very quick to say, yeah, we're not going to repeat what we did, which is have Black Lives Matter all over the floor. <laughs> uh, I think that there was just a lot of fear in the, the air. Social justice yeah. jerseys. I, I, yeah. I mean, that's the most hilarious thing looking back at it is just how scared everybody was, yet nobody wants to admit it. Everybody was learning and growing 
when they were actually terrified, especially if they were white executives or <laughs> white white NBA media members, where you know white uh, <laughs> NBA media members uh, post Great Awakening, you know, what do you do for a living? Oh, I don't know. Like uh, talk about black bodies all day. You know, that's that's my mm. job. You know, in this particular this particular <laughs> epoch. So hot. Yeah, <laughs> it does sound odd when you put it that way. It's like a Terry um, McMillan novel. It really, really does. <laughs> it sounds- Hold on, let's. Can we just pause this for a minute? Yeah. Can we take a Pornhub break? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but I think Strauss bodies. got his groove back. <laughs> no, but, but he to went to Anguilla. To, to get back to what you were asking, I think that there might have been a hope that this is this is something that it would appeal to people broadly, and the media want it to be. I think that the most yeah, controversial exactly. articles I've written are just about this very topic of saying, actually, here are the numbers for the viewership. And you should just watch so many of my former colleagues and uh, other people in basketball Twitter land just freak out. I reported, I, I will say reported because nobody else was talking about it. I, in 2020, right before the bubble playoff started, I, I showed that the NBA viewership on its network games it had gone down to 45% uh, over the last nine years. That that was easy. It wasn't hard. I didn't do calculus to figure it out. It was just nobody else wanted to talk about it. And the only person or the only people in media now want to talk about it are conservatives because the NBA currently has a blue state valence. And so when the NBA gets less popular, it's something that they like to crow about. So that gives even less incentive to admit when something happens like the ratings collapse of the 2020 playoffs. Again, a lot of different factors. Uh, you had empty gyms. Uh, that That's certainly a factor, but I will accept all of the factors. It just seems like one in particular was quite uh, taboo to mention. And uh, so the NBA, I think subsequently, the the, the season after it, um, the ratings still not very good. And, you know, they've lost about half their viewership, half their viewership in about half a decade. Um, and it just doesn't seem to be a story that the broader media is particularly interested in. And what's so funny when you look back is they were so into the story of the NFL's collapse, um, around 2016 and 2017, when it was concussions and Americans don't want their kids playing football. And, you know, you know, will the NBA supplant the NFL? People wrote articles saying that it's fucking insane. Like a big game NBA game on network television. Uh, on a weekend gets a third, uh, not a third, sorry, a tenth. Yeah, the big difference, a tenth of what an NFL game gets. (laughs) Um, So no, the the NBA was not going to supplant the NFL. That was never happening. But the NBA was more popular with tastemakers and media who especially liked that the NBA had gone all in on Twitter as a top-down policy. And we all know, I know Mm -hmm. it's a topic on the show, that that, that media people love them some Twitter. So when the NBA decided that Twitter was the way to market the game um, and they would do these these uh, conferences with Jack Dorsey and Adam Silver, they would meet every year and they would have a speech about it, about how they were merging their their brands effectively. And when I would go to media day, which is the first day of training camp for the Golden State Warriors, I would see them take the rookie player to the social media station. And it was like watching these players get their brains plugged into these different platforms and they authenticate them on every platform. Adam Silver, the commissioner, was saying, this is, our, this is basically our path to power. We are going to be more popular because of this. This helps our ratings. And God damn it, it's also socially responsible. It's also socially relevant. So not only are we going to be popular, mm-hmm. but we are going to be virtuous because, man, I mean, everybody loves someone who uh, 
who thinks that way. Um, but that's uh, she's always the most fun person at the dinner party. Always. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Everybody likes everybody likes that person that uh, announces that their virtue is their path to power and conquest. Yeah. Um, and, and to be clear, the NFL ratings are up this year, right? Like they've yes. they've reversed their decline, while the NBA yeah. has not. Yeah, well, the NBA season's going to start, and it's I, because they do the black national anthems <laughs> at the start of the game. Yeah, well, that's, that's what it is. Th- that's a point I've made because I do. That's think, what we do on this podcast I, as well before we start recording. We the national anthem, the different oh, national yeah, anthem, the black so, national anthem. Camille, Camille plays it on every the voice and sing, and we all yeah. just put our heads down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but you I say, mean, what the fuck happened to him? Yeah, you can't look me in the eyes when I'm doing it. <laughs> I, think, I think the Twitterization point though is worth making because I think it can get reduced down to. The NBA went woke and the NFL didn't. The NFL did too. You mentioned the Black National yeah. Anthem. But I think the NBA went full on Twitter. They went full Twitter. And everything mm-hmm. about the sport is just mired in some fucking Twitter bullshit that has nothing to do with the game. And I think the results speak for themselves. It's not the only reason, but it's one of them. How has all this stuff affected like ESPN? They are similarly, it seems, every single week or a couple of weeks embroiled in some weird cultural political scandal the sage Steele thing is the most recent one she got in trouble i guess she talked about barack obama identifying as black despite the fact that he was raised by his white mom and white grandmother and his black father wasn't around but she decided that she you know identified as as biracial this was Hugely controversial, and she ends up getting sidelined. I don't know if they officially said that's why she was sidelined. Seems like there was a bit of a dance there. But Too bad Katie Kirk wasn't doing this. Not- <laughs> yeah, she cut out the band stuff. <laughs> she just cut that out. We just uh, cut that. Out. We were trying to save you, like, like me. <laughs> we go take care of you, girl. We got you. Don't worry. Oh man, I mean, I don't. There, there's a connection because the ES, uh, because ESPN also. Uh, wanted the NBA to be a kind of a plank for them because it was regular programming. There was more, there were more games than the other sports and they would talk about it all the time. Mm. But I just think that's a broader trend with sports media uh, to be um, now hegemonically. Well, okay. So here's, here's the dynamic that isn't exactly political that leads to the political dynamic. We are as sports media, we're like the B and the C students and we're cheating off the test of the A students at the New York Times and the New Yorker. So when those A students <laughs> go crazy, I mean, eventually we're just going to go, OK, this is weird that the answer to the test is that uh, we need uh, to abolish the white cis heteropatriarchy. But, you know, I guess that's what we're doing now. So I think that just like culture is downstream of or, or politics is downstream of culture, uh, sports media is downstream of opinion journalism. And so I think you reached a critical mass. And what happened within sports media is the same thing that happened in all these other institutions, whether it's nonprofit, whether it's NPR. Um, And so you just see a lot of those sensibilities reflected inside uh, ESPN and some other sports media entities, and they're not pro-social incentives. It's a lot of fighting and feuding over census categories. And so that's all playing out. And it's I mean, to me, the interesting wrinkle when it comes to sports and how sports are a little bit different than whatever's happening at a a place like NPR is that sports are not woke, for lack of a better word. They're not. And I think that there's a lot of projection Mm -hmm. that takes place where media people, whether they're sports media um, or they're just media people who are into a team, they project a lot onto the players as though the players share their worldview and they go, I mean, without saying it, they go, well, these guys are mostly black and they vote Democrat. So they they have the same 
worldview that I, an effete media person, have, you know, and you saw again a little of that with the Kyrie. And it turns out, and what's so amusing to me to watch play out, um, is that there are these moments like players saying anti vax shit where it causes these people with blue checks to just be scandalized and horrified to actually hear those opinions. They couldn't have imagined it happening, but it makes sense to me as somebody who was a beat writer, which means I follow the Golden State Warriors around in the locker room before games, after games. And one of the reasons why I like doing this, this substack is just, I see that there is an incongruity between those two worlds and watching one world try to co-op the other to use for messaging is just such rich territory to find content and commentary. What do you see as one of the great examples when you're in the locker room that there's an enormous disconnect between the blue checkmark world and actual athletes who they think reflect similar viewpoints? Well, it goes back to my favorite Charles Barkley quote, which is that the locker <laughs> mm, room <so> is <laughs> racist, it's sexist, it's homophobic, and I miss it. Um, <laughs> wow. Wow. That was the curveball at the end. I didn't expect that. I was, ex- I was expecting yeah. hilarious. I'm not yeah, a role yeah, model. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, I missed the whole but, it's, but it's, it's just even beyond that. It's a culture that I believe, and I say it as an effete, uh, nerdy media person. I, I didn't look at it with just this harsh judgment. I just looked at it as this is a different world and it has different incentives. These guys mm-hmm. are battling over mm-hmm. hundreds of millions of dollars in front of a 20,000 person audience. It's highly masculinized. It's not nice. It's sharp. It's also (laughs) hilarious. I mean, I'm trying to think of like a representative story I could tell of why the people in media who have not been in locker rooms mostly and who who project on these guys could not understand this universe. I'm I'm, okay, man. uh, I apologize to anybody with kids in the car. Um, I, I had a friend, uh, you know, with a team and he was talking about there was this this guy on the team. He was a he was a center. And the night before he'd been having sex with a woman and he had filmed himself uh, mm-hmm. finishing on her face. He had filmed it mm-hmm. and he had put it into iMovie and he had oh, no. uh, mm-hmm. put no, special effects. Yeah, he's not. <laughs> he put it to special effects. There was a, yeah, you know, the like, Ingmar Bergman of the NBA. <laughs> yes. Wait, what yeah. special effect did he use? Well, like, there was an explosion when it happens. There might have been one of those <laughs> Looney, Looney Tunes skedaddling noises, maybe. He was trying oh, all wow. the bells, what? all the bells, all the whistles, and he was I going up and down. This. He was going up and down the plane. <laughs> this sounds amazing. <laughs> what a hit is taking yeah. notes. He, this is great. He, 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 he this going, guy. He was going up and down. He you should make the up. next Avengers movie. Yeah. <laughs> he was going up and down the plane, showing his teammates to it, and everybody was having a great time. And I tell the story to say that this guy was not known to be a colorful character. He was not known to be a moral freak. He was not known to be a weirdo. He was just mm-hmm. one of the guys, and this was normal inside that pirate yeah. ship that's 30,000 feet in the air that is an NBA team plane. And it is very sex positive. Yes, it's hard to reconcile. <laughs> That's what it was. I'm just being sex positive. And I'm trying to stress that by adding hilarious noises to my sex video. Showing the strange woman. Yeah. That's all. Who has clearly no idea that she was being filmed. Good God. I just tell that story to say I worked at Yelp for a brief spell. I don't think that ever happened at Yelp. 
<laughs> that guy has amazing opinions on Vietnamese restaurants, and you should see the videos of him fucking. Yeah, those are amazing. <laughs> I, I grew up, um, you say all these media people that don't know it. I grew up in NFL locker rooms, um, and it is a very, very weird place to be as like an, a five-year-old, an eight-year-old, a 12-year-old. I mean, my dad worked for the Patriots. Was that really professional wow. football? No, this is after my dad died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just would hang around and be like, wow, they're just not wearing any clothes. Seems deep Krogan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. John Hanna. Nice. <laughs> Draw that right now. Um, yeah, no, and it was like this real, I mean, talk about hyper-masculinized. When I was a kid, there's just like, they're enormous. They're giants. They're literally huge men. In the language that was used, my father at the beginning was like, you can't come in because, and then he's like, yeah, fuck it, whatever. And I would just sit there <laughs> wide-eyed as these guys told stories. And they used to give me money to, because um, at Schaefer Stadium, Sullivan Stadium, nice. now Gillette Fields, um, you know, it was AstroTurf. And they would give me these files, like kind of nail, like long files, like you escape from jail with them. And to file down the edges of their cleats. Mm-hmm. They like to have them at kind of an angle and they would give me like five, $10. And it was like insane. Like it was way back then, 10 bucks. And I would just sit there doing it as they were talking about, yo man, I fucking just go, I'm like, what, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Tell me more. Come on, come on, come on. Come on. <laughs> I, mean, I was like, and in the future, there's going to be something called iMovie. Hold on. This is going to be great. <laughs> it's going to make all of this so much more fun and disgusting. So yeah. Bill's oh my God. Discussion Ooh. time. Yeah. It's, um, it is that it is that world, and that's not to defend everything that happens within that that milieu. Um, of course, some yeah. if some of it goes too far, there should be standards. But I do think there's sometimes an element of people who went to nice colleges observing this from the outside being drawn to it because it's a little bit dangerous, and yes, it's a little bit masculinized, and then wanting to make the people who do it exactly like their friends from college and it's just funny to watch yeah. and uh, it's uh, again it's good right. grist for it's good grist for the mill and sometimes it gets confounded because the players themselves they're not unaware uh they realize that they get certain applause lines for saying certain things so there are a lot of nba players who will talk endlessly about how much they love the WNBA and they're totally full of shit, but it's just a very easy way to get <laughs> yeah. a pat on the back. <laughs> it's amazing. Good job. It's just as good. It's, just, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. <laughs> Although Deanna Taurasi the other night was pretty. Awesome. Uh, yeah. I don't know who that is and I've never even heard of the WNBA. But um, there is a woman and Ethan, you'll remember her name. I don't. And I think it might have been Patriots related. The, the, this was the controversy about 10, 15 years ago. The woman who was the journalist going into the NFL locker room. Oh, yeah. I mean, remember that whole big controversy? And I think the thing that people missed about that is essentially what Ethan is saying, is they say, oh, you know, women can't report on sports, and that's the subtext of this. It's like, no, it's just a real guy's environment. And I just, I don't, I just didn't think they wanted to change the kind of environment where they talk horribly yeah. in front of children, I can attest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and in front of uh, Ethan Strauss, apparently. Too. But I'm sure they had to change. as a, Yeah, of course, yeah. of course, of course. Yeah. yeah. And, and and also just like in you know the uh the the great 70s tell all books about all sports like the peel behind the curtain ball four ball four just ball there's yeah. a bunch of other uh, horrifying baseball ones uh bow pitching and wooing don't just don't read it it's it's uh it's filthy and disgusting but every one of anything the, about the mets yeah, <laughs> it's awful yeah, 86 mets oh uh, the good guys uh or the bad guys won i think is the name of, of, of that so one. much great cocaine <laughs> Um, that's but, why they won, by the way. It wasn't Bill Buckner. It wasn't Calvin Schiraldi. It was cocaine. It's better for you as a baseball player. And that's why. Same, same thing that fueled the uh, Cowboys dynasty. There you go. Actually. Exactly yeah. right. Why they only A whole lot of cocaine. Yep. Lots of Super Bowls. Yep. Once. You but, do the math. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> but like they all, all these places folks. had to eventually change, right? Yeah. And and, uh, and just like the access, and this is, must be an interesting challenge journalistically. When uh, if you read one of those books, like the Breaks the Game by David Halberstam about the NBA, about the Trailblazers, the year after they won the championship and would have won the second one, but Bill Walton got hurt. Great book, really wonderful book, much better than the shitty baseball books. Um, and uh, the access is unimaginable. Like you mm. just like you got closer in just the magazine journalism too, and celebrity profiles, all the stuff, the Playboy interviews of 1978 were with Larry Hagman that our friend uh, David Renson did are astonishing the amount of access yeah. and they have learned not to do it. They have learned like that. Why would yeah. you ever allow a reporter anywhere close to that? So like, I'm yeah. sure it's so much different. Did, 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 Ethan, does the fact that you're with Substack now affect your access in places that pe people don't know you as well, maybe because I mean, it's always good to have the brand on your side when you're going into a, to a clubhouse. Well, so I think it has a lot to do with why I made the move. I didn't articulate that when you asked, but now that I think about it, um, I was watching what the experience was like from afar in that NBA bubble because it didn't go. And then I went to a couple games last season and uh, it's just too much shit. It's just too much shit with the masks and this rule and that rule and you're not allowed in the locker room. And then you go, what's even the point? I could just watch this on TV. Uh, they have like a, a shock doctrine maneuver, it would seem. Uh, reduced access in the way they always wanted to um, using this as the mm. pretext. And so when I observed oh, that, I thought with everything else we're talking about uh, that creates barriers and obstacles and makes uh, the job cumbersome, I don't want this on top of it. So mm -hmm. I bowed out just because I expected a restricted level of access. And now I just get a different kind of access. I, I will eventually possibly go to some events. We'll see. But People have been coming out of the woodwork when you when they get a sense that you're not beholden to an agency, which I mean, agencies uh, wield a lot of power behind the scenes in the NBA. And that's a whole other topic. But when they get a sense this, you're not yeah, beholden, talent agencies, sorry, talent, yeah, agencies talent, of, talent of players. Yeah. Yeah. Talent yeah. agencies that rep them um, in many ways uh, have their hooks into the sport and also the presentation of the sport. Uh, I think you we, we were talking about controversies controversies at espn there was this whole imbroglio with rachel nichols who ended up getting ousted as camille mentioned but that was a controversy that involved uh about four other media members at espn they were all represented by caa the uh, hollywood power oh. agency so uh, there's there's a lot of there's a lot happening behind the curtain because it's a multi-billion dollar business and i know some people might be listening and say hey i'm not into sports but I mean, it's show business, it's Hollywood, it's fairly corrupt um, on the media level. The main newsbreakers are also represented by CAA, for instance. Um, really? So I've had people just coming out of the woodwork when I talk about these things, and I've had sources that I never had prior who are way more willing to chat once they sense mm. that I don't have those particular restrictions on me. So in many ways, yeah. it's been better and it's opened things up. Well, Ethan, I, I know we, we've got to let you go in a little bit because you've got a kid you got to put to bed and, and I don't want to hold you too long. Oh, but I did want to talk about kid. John Gruden really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, because this scandal is pretty consequential and he hasn't just been sidelined for a little while. A bunch of emails have been dribbling out. And in those emails, he has said some sensational things. There's some locker room talk in some of those emails. In fact, one of those emails, the one that, that first ignited this was him 
And I guess the context was it was in the midst of some sort of dispute in the NFL. And Gruden refers to someone's lips being particularly large. Mm. And this is broadly interpreted as a racial trope. I don't know if in the email he actually references race at all. But in either case, I wonder if you could give us some context for what what unfolded there and if we can expect to see more of this. Yeah, well, there are 650,000 emails um, in this investigation into the Washington football team, as they're they're now calling what what was the Redskins. And yeah, um, worst football team in America, it, by the way. It's this funny. Horrible. It's funny watching cheer against them. It's funny watching people in media and sports media demanding that all the emails get released. Like it's an important WikiLeak. <laughs> and you just wonder there's there, <laughs> why? Because they want something to talk about. It's grist through the mill, but they don't <laughs> they don't make it that they make it about how we need to cleanse the culture of football. We need to, mm. you know, and it doesn't make the things that were. Yeah, that's the thing. Good luck. You pay these guys. I'm not defending what was said um, in in the emails at all, but it's never go- leave that to me, <laughs> Ethan. It's fine. Yeah, that's Camille's job. <laughs> it's it's never going to be what they want it to be. This this sport, this thing they like, this thing they're drawn to, this um, brain damage uh, meat grinder that they so love, uh, that's populated by men who do dangerous things. It's not going to have the sort of uh, speech behind the curtain that they will ever want it to have. And but it gets at something else. I mean, I I'm sort of blanket with the idea that we shouldn't be fired for things we say years ago. Um, I'm I'm into that idea. I, I don't think this this flattening it's spoken like a very guilty man very guilty very guilty. it's like it's like so all guilty. it's like all drug debates all drug law debates in the 90s where you say i don't think we should throw people in jail yeah. for pot okay cheech and chong yeah. okay. i know yeah. that yeah. argument you know yeah Ethan, Ethan is the ralph northam of- <laughs> <laughs> the picture will come uh, it's fine um <laughs> Uh, I mean, look, uh, I just said, uh, Nick, uh, uh, negus. <laughs> the word is negus. Um, but <laughs> All right, Justin Trudeau, I, keep going. <laughs> but yeah, the things, the stuff Gruden says, and I, I, but this thing happens where I don't think it's healthy how Twitter especially has almost flattened our experience and makes whatever was in the past feel like it's happening right now in the present. And yeah. Yeah. not only that, if we talk about the Rachel Nichols situation that that occurred when she was talking in a private phone call that somebody was spying on, um, we have eradicated any distinction between the past and the present and any distinction between the private and the public. And we're just expecting that the result is going to be some sort of utopia where we no longer have racism and sexism, as opposed to we all just go insane and are no, no longer functional. Uh, I, I think the latter is almost more likely to occur. So, but people don't, make that argument because what happens is you'll say something like well i don't think a guy should get fired for something in an email from a decade ago and they just put what he said in the email up against what you're saying and saying are you defending calling a guy you know michelin tire lips or whatever he was saying and so it's just not worth it especially not for a coach who seems a little bit mediocre so i just i i i don't think it's good this thing that we're doing of just rifling around through everybody's trash and everybody's past in order to uh, not just fire them, but maybe exert control and leverage over them uh, in some cases and blackmail people. But I'm powerless to stop it. It just seems to be the way things are going. 
Uh, one, I want to hear Camille on this because I, I know he wants desperately to defend him. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm interested to hear it. But one of the things that I wonder about this, and, you know, look, there's a, there's a common thing in political journalism where people write stories or they break little bits of micro news on Twitter. This has happened so many times. Overhearing a politician's conversation on the Acela train. How many times have you heard that? Mm-hmm. This happens a lot. Mm-hmm. But they're politicians. They're public servants. I get it. You know, and that's totally fine. And you can you can do things like that. Um, this is obviously slightly different. Um, private people in private conversation, particularly when it comes to talking to somebody's agent and uh, someone furtively recording it. Um, I don't I don't really get that. But the one thing that we're not even allowed to ask anymore, and I, I sort of almost feel uncomfortable even asking it because it's I think it's a question that should be asked is that if you take all of those emails, and I haven't read them, and the reason I haven't read them, and I didn't really know what they said until Ethan told me, was because the New York Times wouldn't report it. Yeah. They said so they said he referred to a player or a coach, was that the, the Michelin thing he was saying, uh, with a derogatory uh, racial thing about something on his face. It was like literally that strange. And I was like, what the fuck could that possibly be? I was be? thinking about getting up to speed on this story. And then uh, I was I was trying to figure out, where would you go? That's what I'm trying to find. Yeah. What is the name of the publication that you could read? I you know. Yeah, yeah. And you're going that's to see fucking, the yeah, that's And there is amazing. not. Have you published these emails? I, I called the Ecuadorian embassy and they were like, he left. And I was like, really? Because <laughs> he doesn't have them? Like, no, he just got arrested. <laughs> So, but the question that I was going to ask, and interested to hear Camille's uh, uh, take on this too, is, is it possible to say these things? And this is kind of a big question. Is it possible to say these things and not be a racist in the sense Mm. that, you know, you're private, you're with amongst friends, people, you know, you have a cadence that the rest of us don't know about. You're joking about things. You try to be more outrageous. I mean, I have a thousand friends like this. That are like the nicest, most upright people in the world and progressive on every, every issue. But, you know, when in private, they try to like one up each other by being horrible. And it's funny, right? And it doesn't mean anything about their worldview. It's just, I don't know. And, 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 you know, people might be scratching their head and saying, how could you possibly say that about these emails? Well, I haven't read them because Mm. the New York Times wouldn't publish them because they were. I, I don't know, people would, would, would join the clan or something if they read them, but I want to know the context. But <laughs> is it even possible these days to, to, to say something like that and have the context? We see New York Times, speaking of like Donald McNeil, the context didn't matter at all. And we actually had the editor-in-chief saying that, doubling back on it and apologizing later, but only after pressure. And I think he probably said it under pressure too, that context does not matter. It's like, that's what we do as journalists as context. But is that mm-hmm. even relevant anymore that you can say, well, there are, because I see comedians getting in trouble for jokes they made. And when that's their job is to make the joke, which is not a reflection of their personality or people saying you have to take a character out of a novel. It's like, well, you know, the novelist is writing a character and that character can have bad views. And it's not the novelist's view, right? Mm. The novelist is not represented in the, every character in the book. These things are very hard concepts for people. So it seems like we don't even have a conversation about that now. These things came out. I don't know the context. They could be really horrible. Who knows? But, you know, is that even something that we talk about anymore? I don't know if Camille wants to address that at all, but I do want to hear your full-throated, totally insane, (laughs) I've been smoking weed all day defense of this horrible, horrible Bull Connor of NFL. <laughs> you don't even know what he said. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no like, idea. To me, what, you can't take these people's word for yeah, it. Well, uh-huh. 
I, well, I did like a quick search and I was like, this is too exhausting. I don't even watch football yeah, anymore. It, it, he's a race. Obviously, he's well, a probably. I can't find any races. I'm, hair? I'm, interested, <laughs> I'm interested in the hypothetical too if he was coming off his Super Bowl win, if that changes this whole conversation. And uh, I, I, I wonder about that. Can you can you win so much that you can just be racist as an NFL coach? The answer is yes. <laughs> Obviously. Why are you so racist? Because I keep winning. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, it's like the co- it's like uh, cocaine. It's, you know, cocaine yeah. in the 80s for the Mets yeah. and for the, uh, yeah. the Dallas Cowboys you do, in the 90s. You could do almost anything if you win enough. Tom, yeah. Tom Brady no must be it. the Oberkruppenfuhrer of uh, Tampa Bay <laughs> he at is. this point. <laughs> he he's is. winning so much. Oh, and he's really like committing like, genocide. Sports journalist Ethan Straps, he's like, he's Jewish, right? I was like, oh, Tom, <laughs> stop! Uh, it's Zionist. It's, I'm so <laughs> It's fine. It's Tom Brady. It's oh, fine. It's winning. No. It's fine. It, but, but the you answer to your question. It. The answer to your question, uh, <laughs> Michael, it, it, is that it just it almost doesn't matter. It, like the what happens is it's it's just fear. It's fear. It's out there. People are reacting to it. Um, I've been in organizations where uh, a, a controversy has broken out, where somebody has done something bad and it's getting picked up in in some publications and there's no sense of where the scope is i mean that's what a lot of the fear is sometimes it's just having no sense of what the scope is going to be mm-hmm. and so i don't i don't think any of the conversation is about is this guy legitimately racist i've seen some people arguing that his hires were all white guys i haven't gone through his hires and i don't know a lot about the nfl so i don't know <laughs> but i do i also know that if he had made racially diverse hirings it wouldn't have mattered and that wouldn't have really yeah. been a part were there of the homophobic conversation. uh messages i think i saw that yeah too. yeah there was yeah some. which mm-hmm. I, I, when I said i didn't know a lot about football i know enough about football to know that the uh, the f word as, as it were uh is getting used all the time on the field i mean if mm-hmm. you could had a public record of everything everybody in the NFL ever said, and, I, and I could do a keyword search and everything they ever said, everything of their whole life, I would get a ninety nine point nine percent hit ratio on that word. Yeah, and so it's only a matter of getting caught. It's not a matter of like the uniqueness of people saying something like this. And and you know, it's not a word that I use, and you know, it's not a word. I don't think that stuff is okay. But I also don't. It's in the cadence. I grew up in Boston. I mean, for yeah. fuck's sake. I mean, that was literally, you would say that word when you were ordering at a restaurant. Yeah. You'd be like, yeah. uh, it's just like ordering a dessert and it would come out because that's just the scumbags that I grew up with, uh, like Sam Presti, uh, yeah. who probably, probably used mm-hmm. that word. I can't, I can't actually say if he did or not, yeah. but uh, let's just, let's just throw it out there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, it's only a matter of like this guy's emails were, and what was the context of this? Because I don't follow this stuff. They were, is it part of a trial? Is it part of some, the, I mean, oh, how the were these weird, emails released? The, the weirdest one that I I'm saw dumb, in these sorry. stories. It was that like, he, what the fuck? Seriously? You didn't prepare? Well, oh, oh, no, no. The, no, the no. weirdest one <laughs> that's not right. that I saw was, I think, and he criticized Obama in 2012. And it wasn't any sort of a racial yeah. criticism, but it was just part of the, it was just part of the stew that we're serving up to he you. He sent an AEI link. <laughs> <laughs> Like, <laughs> like it really is like a bunch of silly stuff. Like in 2015, Gruden condemned a congressional bill that attempted to force Washington to change its name from Redskins, which many Native Americans view as a slur. Of course, I think we know here at this at the fifth column, uh, because we've talked about this in the past, uh, that they had done polling 
for many, many, many years because people kept insisting that Native Americans were completely outraged by the name of the Washington football team being the Redskins. And it's just not fucking true. Like the polling <laughs> kept consistently showing that people were kind of like, meh, like, we don't really Sorry, care. Really really the answer was always, we've got bigger problems. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I didn't, and the same I thing didn't was true with Latinx people. So I didn't know that we would be talking <laughs> about P-Nex. this topic. So, so I haven't gone down the complete Groot rabbit hole, but I just did a, a Google search and a headline in the hill emails show got a job emails show john gruden called biden a quote clueless pussy it's like why is that a headline yeah. so did we <laughs> hey the hill i got a headline for you the fifth column just called biden a clueless pussy <laughs> well that's michael moynihan actually i would i would never say anything oh, like that no, racist we could take it we could take it to a vote you get that polling firm that did that's that bullshit uh, native american polling <laughs> the, the eyes <laughs> the eyes have it the eyes have it um but i i can't i can't even find i can't find a rendering of what Gruden said about the lips. I can't actually oh, no. find. He a said quote. they looked. Get, he I, said they looked like Michelin tires and Michelin tires. And I think right. what made it a little worse is he put. A, did he mention? Did he mention race? Did his lips actually look like Michelin tires? Because uh, if they do, isn't that a defense? <laughs> Camille's really going to go this that I think oh, added no. to it that made it worse is that he uh, made some sort of pun with the guy's name, and I think he called him a. Dumb Boris instead Dumb of Boris? Uh, whatever the guy's name is. Like he's um, Russian? It was all stupid. <laughs> I think that's what it was. <laughs> so weird. I, I think that's dumb what it Boris. was. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it. I think the dumb person here is I'm going to defend I, him and say the following, <laughs> that that when you insult someone's physical appearance, you're just kind of being an asshole. It doesn't yeah. make you a racist. Yeah. I, I suspect if he was a racist and that they have tons and tons of his emails, they would have much better mm. dirt on him than this. If this is the smoking gun, it sounds like he's pure as the driven snow. <laughs> like he's, a, he's, he's seriously, he's, he's like, <laughs> I mean, no, he's in the, he's in the NFL. He's steeped in this locker room culture. We, we could find video right now of people on the sidelines saying the most heinous yeah. shit. Players in games saying the most heinous oh, yeah. shit. What, wasn't it LeBron James when they were finally starting to have fans back in the stands told some woman, sit down, bitch. Do you want but, to defend that too, Camille? I'm sure. She was, I mean, she was trying to be an asshole. <laughs> also, it's LeBron. I mean, come on now. <laughs> he keeps winning. Yeah. I mean, the, the, uh, he's, so, he's, what I don't know. from Hong Kong. Yeah. It is a weird thing, though. It, it, twice. Again, it, it is this strange <laughs> thing. I, I think the conversation about Gruden is a little bit, di- it's it's complicated in many different ways. One of them is that he's ha- he has to be the leader of men. A lot of his players are black. If uh, there's a sense that uh, he has bad opinions about black people. He might just not be able to do his job functionally. And there are also different responsibilities for a management mm-hmm. position like a coach than for the player. But again, it is this this funny thing of the media reporting on a story, enjoying the sausage, uh, so to speak, but not really being able to ever, if they ever, ever, ever see how it's made. And again, mm-hmm. it's not a defense yeah. of everything that happens. And it's not me saying that just anything should happen right there need to be rules and standards but it is funny like it is funny to see certain media people who will just talk about and you know could be outside the sports media um and they're a big fan of just name the team they're like a big wizards fan and they're i'll I'll see them raging 
at J.K. Rowling as this monster for for her comments mm. and calling her a transphobe. And I think to myself, yeah, you ever go to you know, what do you think happens if you go in the NBA locker room and ask about trans trans rights? Like, what do you what do you think is going to happen? I thought what you were tying the Wizards thing to J.K. Rowling because she was a wizard. That been clever. I, think, I, think I was like, where is this going? What? I Do you know that that team is named after J.K. Rowling's books? It's actually a really dumb name, The Wizards. The only person who's talking about Wizards is Ozzy in Black Sabbath's first album. I, I, I would I, the the dumbest names in the NBA. It's the Raptors and the uh, Wizards. I want yo, one of them Raptors. just. I, I want one of them to just compound the absurdity and just be the Raptor Wizards. Just have a fucking dinosaur and a fucking <laughs> yeah. the like, Dimagi Squirrels, the Utah Jazz. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Yeah. Well, I figured out they got some history. And actually, I I was like, that that. sucks. That ruined it for me. I was like, (laughs) I thought we were somebody like, you know what? Jazz is white people music from Utah. (laughs) Los Angeles is known for its lakes. Yes. Very uh, very land of a thousand lakes. Lakey region. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I mean, so. So Ethan, I wanna I wanna thank you for joining us, gentlemen. Before Ethan goes, I wanna I wanna mention. I just sent you a text. And it is an image of your dick. And I would say, I would say the ruling on the field stands oh. and it's in balance. Right. You have a photo. You can look at that photo. And I'm just saying it's fair. What are you trying to do? Ruin our fucking lives? No, I don't. I don't exactly. have any interest in commenting on <laughs> no. people's physical characteristics. I didn't say anything. Uh, See, you're the one in, in mm-hmm. telling what yeah. I said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm say just that. saying the ruling on the field. Yeah. Nobody would, nobody would understand what you were talking about because we were just talking about it for 20 minutes. But no. Look, as somebody with an enormous nose, um, I have a very big nose. And actually somebody, yeah. there was a kid in the locker room when I was a, a freshman. And he had a guy who weirdly had a bigger nose than I did. And he used to give me a hard time about it because uh, he was like razzing me. And, uh, and I broke it. I cracked him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. True story. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, his name was Doug. Yeah, hit him. Toxic masculinity. He was like really tall, and I and it was you know like those benches in the uh, in the oh, yeah. in the uh, locker room. And I stepped up on it because I knew a little a little height. Boost? Yeah, a little. Yeah, you know, I was like yeah. Danny DeVito <laughs> after somebody. Yeah, <laughs> that became a sex move for you later. Oh yeah, yeah. I was like Bushwick Bill <laughs> dropping them motherfucking bees on him. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Oh, yeah. Well, Ethan, thank, thank you, you Ethan. man. I, we appreciate We're sorry you. Sorry for um, your career. So, He's a Substack. That's true. His career. He's a Substack. All of this is good for him. Yeah. If you if you wish to save me, save me from what's happened here. House of Strauss Substack <laughs> content all the time, not just for sports lovers, other people, interesting stuff. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Real talk. Real talk. I am a paying subscriber to this Substack, and I pay for a couple of Substacks, mm-hmm. but I'm happy to pay for this one and to support it. And I am delighted you joined us, um, Ethan. And I'm not even going to be offended that you haven't invited me on your podcast. Oh, yet. it's happening! It's happening. By the way, I want to say I'm doing well, but I don't know how to handle it. I know we're trying to outro, but this is something I don't know how to handle because I feel like I'm doing well. I'm getting momentum, but I worry that if I say it's going well, people won't want to save me. I feel like I need to inculcate mm. a sense that um that I'll go away if they don't rich. pay. Because yeah, I think yeah. I think Camille yeah. Camille probably loses a lot of subscribers for you guys just whenever he talks about how he never flies coach. I won't. And he has yeah. all the subscriptions. 
You know, Ethan, you know what the analog to this is, right? You know that what, homeless what people take all the money out of the hat, right? And they leave like two quarters <laughs> in it, right? If they're doing a good banner day, they just put it in the fucking pockets and they're like, look at how poor I am. And everyone's like, oh, that's too bad. <laughs> so Camille's like, I don't ever fly a coach. And I'm like, motherfucker, I'm in the subway tonight. I got COVID. Licking the fucking railings. Horrible. F train. I don't, I don't know how to strike a balance. All I know is truth. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. All I know is how to be, how to be truthful. And, and the thing is, the fact is people, you need to support, support the work of Eden Strauss. Oh. You need to support the fifth column. You need to give until it hurts. Mm. And, and don't pay attention to what we got yeah. over here. Yeah, it's prosperity mm-hmm. gospel. You just pay attention to what we're it's giving. It's prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. The, more, Amen. the more you give, give, and it will come back to there you. you go. <laughs> That's what we, Ask That's not good. what Ethan Strauss can do for you. Come on now. Ask what you can do for Ethan. Come on now. Give him some money. Preach, preach. Actually, fuck that. Give us some money. Yeah, no. It's, it's <laughs> enough. This is our podcast. Enough. Get the fuck out of here. this one. From each according to his means. All right, Ethan. <laughs> Thank you, Ethan. The fifth caller. He's got great He's got great that stories. That last story? <clears throat> the last story. Yeah, they, you want to get the people mad again? Yep. <laughs> Here's the thing, guys. When the uh, when we stop recording, then that's when people tell you all the real shit. But. Yeah, I mean, you can't listen. Seriously. I mean, come on. Shaq's story was pretty good. <laughs> Shaq's story, no, Shaq's story, oh Shaq's story is pretty Ethan's good. Shaq's, man. Yeah, he's I a like good, that dude. He's a pretty good, good dude, right? Good I like dude. him. Yeah. Uh, you should totally subscribe to his Substack, provided you're also already a patron of this fine podcast. If yeah, you're not a patron of too. this podcast, yeah, you have to. This is like being fully the vaccinated. We're the first shot. He's the second. Make Goddamn sure you get right. the first shot. Yeah, we're J and J. We're your first we and work, second. But you only need one of them. <laughs> you should get. You should pay. You should pay for the Patreon for yourself, and then get a fake email and sign up yeah. and pay again. How did you do? Yeah, yeah. Well, and then lose the password so that you get you can't unsubscribe ever. Yeah, we'll go into like paste bin. Where people like dump credit card numbers and just get one and sign up for That's right. Go on the dark web for us. We we actually endorse that. Go on the dark web. Yes. Create a fake profile and just sign up for as many Patreon accounts as you can illegally. Charge that. Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to take that money back from us. No. Yeah, we're fine. Our fault. No. You're the criminal. That's right. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. Um, dark web what else scumbag. what else should we talk about uh should we talk about daniel craig saying that he goes to gay bars to avoid fights at straight venues yes yeah just the toxic masculinity did he say toxic masculinity no but it was yeah implied. that's the that's okay can in, i tell you intimated. the thing that okay so on the patreon we did a patreon but don't, but wait before you tell me okay i mean oh, yeah, can, yeah. We, can we deal with how homophobic it is for him to suggest that he could beat up any gay guy in a gay bar oh that's good wrong. point didn't that's even think not, about that. That's not appropriate. By the by, the way, they're all bigger than Daniel Gray. That's right. <laughs> yeah, everyone. What <laughs> may be less inclined to fight. I'll tell you what the greatest flipping of the script was and why you should love the gay community just as a whole. I do. Was it in the 1970s? I know you do, it was like, I, I love them, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean... I'm a member of it. I know. But, uh, you know, I just, I, I'm a visiting, I'm a visiting <laughs> professor. <laughs> I am a scholar. <laughs> yeah. I, a, I just do a little visiting scholar thing. But um, in the 1970s, yeah, like, of the thing of, like sissy gay men. And it was like, somebody in like the gay council of elders in like the 80s was like, let's fucking flip this around on them. Somebody was like, what are you talking about? Let's just flip it. Let's just all get huge. Let's all get <laughs> super true, jacked. True. And then all of yeah. a sudden it was like, the Mexican thing, like the stereotype of Mexicans is like lazy. And I'm like, are you kidding? Like there's literally nobody on earth who works harder than the average Mexican in America works 95 times harder than the average like honky in America. But I love that flipping of the script. But I want to say one thing about Daniel Craig. Can we do this? Yeah. Mm. Okay. So we did a Patreon the other day 
and it was it was great. It was one of the better ones we've done. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, our listeners enjoyed it a lot. So if you didn't sign up, then you should do so now. But I said that I went to see the new Bond movie that is just very, very dark, very dark. And I brought my 10-year-old girl, which was really a bad idea. But that mistake has already been made, so that's in the past. But there was one moment in this, and Camille said, no spoilers, no spoilers. Okay, not really a spoiler. I didn't say no spoilers. No. I said, if there's going to be a spoiler, you just got to tell them in okay. advance. So this isn't really a spoiler. It's a spoiler. But it's kind of, <laughs> no, yeah. not really. It's but fine. It's a fine. We've fucking hilarious thing We've that nobody them. has talked about. Yeah, talk so about it. Talk two, about it. The two double O uh, people in it that are not James the, Bond. The double O sisters. Black yeah. women. Yeah, they're black women. Mm-hmm. And there's a guy in this movie who is responsible for the deaths of like hundreds of people, right? And the woman <laughs> at some point in this movie captures him, right? Mm-hmm. And he's a Russian guy, right? So I'm gonna is her name Foxy Brown, brown, I think? Oh, yeah. 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 Coffee. Um, uh, <laughs> also a great movie. Yeah. Pulls, he's pulling this guy along. Is shooting it out, killing people, killing motherfuckers all over, shooting it out, and is taking him to like, I don't know, interrogate him or something. And then he makes a comment that is vaguely racist. And because it is a thing about how in the movie, again, spoilers, turn it off. You don't want to hear this, but it's fucking great. You should. Why, you should why are you people so angry? No, <laughs> there is a thing that, that there's like a sort of lab born disease that can attack particular people, et cetera. And so he says, I can make this attack West Africans if I wanted to. And says something about, I can do this to your people or whatever. And she kills him. Immediately. <laughs> kills him. And she's like, it's time. And this, the movie's called No Time to Die. And she's like, it's time to die. And shoots him or throws him off into this water that he boils alive. And it's like, the guy killed 300 people and he made an off-color reference like i'm gonna kill this motherfucker yeah and i was like yeah, holy that's right. shit did anyone notice this i haven't seen this written about anywhere i think i was like oh, i'm gonna notice it yeah fucking hell it was crazy women and children i mean come on the baby i gotta yeah. take you in that's just, yeah i gotta take you yeah. in can, can they, i can i see the most offensive comment <laughs> i'm gonna murder you right You're now dead. the most like i'm gonna say the most offensive thing i can say do it, do I'm just it. gonna just go for it. Yeah, this is only the most offensive thing you can say while being recorded. Not the most yes, offensive thing you yes. ever said. Oh no, exactly. For the right. record. Yeah. Oh, I get a lot worse. Truth than in advertising funny, here. Yeah. You know, um, every year they have like a swimsuit issue or a Pirelli calendar, and now they just they can't have what they used to have. I'll just put it that way, right? Used to be like women <laughs> models. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like Brimini. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And now it's like a seventy-year-old anthropology professor. <laughs> like, look at how brave she is. I'm like, okay, I can go somewhere else for that. But all right, okay, I see what we're doing here. How brave he and is. And the idea be- behind this is we don't want to give women this unrealistic view of what life is and what what you can be as a woman. Mm. And then I watched the James Bond movie. And these women in this movie were beating the fuck out of huge men everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I don't know if this is realistic, a realistic portrayal <laughs> of what women can achieve at that size. I mean, it's one of the greatest things about, <laughs> about the Marvel movies is that Scarlett Johansson yeah. is like four foot two. She's like three foot 11. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. like her fight scenes are all great. Like she kicks everyone's ass. Oh, it's awesome. That's I'm, totally fun. And a four I'm foot. I'm fine with unrealistic, but let's do it across the board. But a four yeah. foot two woman is, might not kick Moynihan's ass. Well, no, I don't probably. know. Probably. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> get, a bit, get a bit old, but it can yeah. be hard. That'd yeah. be hard slot. No, she's but not that was take like me. the thing. I was like, 
this is what happens when you go into a movie with a 10 year old. Cause I wanted to make that comment. I'm like, oh, she's 10. I can't talk about this. This is, she's not going to, yeah. <laughs> she wouldn't be. You think she hasn't heard like Moynihan stuff? She's probably said something similar to what I'm just vocalizing <laughs> right now. Um, uh, but she does, I mean, look, I love yeah. it because I love, I, and I don't want less of that. I want more of that. I loved it. And she was like, she loves when there's like girls on screen kicking people's asses. And I yeah, she loves it. Fun. It's great. Um, I just want the unrealistic to be everywhere. And every, you can't have it like, oh, that's not realistic. And then we have it unrealistic over here. It's got to be the world and the media and films and in magazines. Everything has to be unrealistic. Everything. <laughs> this is not how the world is. And, and let's make that across the board, including the Pirelli calendar. That's my, and I'm out. As a human, <laughs> I'm done. That's the end of my life. You fulfilled your Netflix yeah, track. Yeah, I think it's kind of, You're done. I think it's kind of a boring point, but one that I think that's probably a bad one to make these days. Yeah. Right? I just want everybody, I'm, I want more of it, not less of it. I don't think it's bad that they're kicking people's asses. I like it. What I'm hearing is that you want more tits in the SI Animals. No, I don't read that. I think it's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> but I know there are other people to do, and I want them to have that ability. Yeah. I mean, I, I am, I think it's sexist and gross. So that's right. Um, yeah. Sexist Kathy and gross, Ireland? but also artistic freedom. Disgusting. Artistic yeah. freedom. Yeah. I like artistic freedom. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of which, I know a model who I spoke to today, actually. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Who's a very well known um, model. Mm. And not well known, but she, was, she, did, she did well. And she is the worst person about this stuff. And, you know, one of the smartest people I know and everything. And she's just like, sends me this stuff. And she's like, look at this. <laughs> it's just like somebody. And it's for them. It's like, this is my livelihood. And all of a sudden, you know. It's, oh, there's a plus model on the. Cover. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or somebody with like, you know, I can't, I can't. I'm just going to get in trouble. Yeah. I just can't say. I know what you're getting ready to These say. These are people. Honestly, <laughs> these are jokes. So yeah, go fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah. And this jokes. is the thing. Yeah. If you if you paid more for the Patreon, yeah, I mean, just imagine oh, yes. what this could be. Imagine yeah, what it could be. What it could be. What liberate me from <laughs> the yoke of of like polite society? Oh my god! <laughs> and uh, yeah, made, I mean, that's the thing about that. Dave the, Chappelle money. Um, yeah, I mean, Dave Chappelle. We should somehow get your John Senna. Uh, mm -hmm. letter as an NFT. If we yeah. do that, yes, and then like an auction, yeah. Um, How I, much would I have to make on that NFT for it to be worth? It? <laughs> it's got to be six figures. It's I mean, six I'm a figures. humble person. I'm a humble person. No, 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 no. I got to be yeah. six. <laughs> I got to be figures. people. It's got to last. I'm people. <laughs> I got to be the people of John Santa. Sixty-five million. But the thing is, um. Oh my god! I try to be humble about these things, but I I can't on this one. It was fucking hilarious. <laughs> it's really good. Oh, I love I love Sage Steele's apology. I know my that? recent comments created controversy for the company, and I apologize. Didn't apologize for the comments. I love it. Good. God bless you, girl. It's the same thing as like I'm sorry that you took offense. Oh it's my not, god! I'm sorry that I gave offense. Is I'm sorry that you took it that way. You wow, fuck. wow. <laughs> That is a great oh, apology. Oh, man. Um, I want to thank my dentist, by the way, for listening to the podcast and then texting me today and saying, hey, I was listening to last week and you weren't on and they said something about, and I think when he listened to it, he thought it was like today. Uh, and he's like, after the procedure, are you still having pain? You went you to another dentist. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, no. And he was like, you, you have, he's like the best person. He's so awesome. Oh, man. And he was like, are you having pain? You should tell me. And I wrote him back and I was like, no, no, that was recorded like the day of or the day after the procedure. So. See, he didn't, even, he awesome. didn't even notice. He didn't even notice. He thought it was very timely. Shocking. 
Oh, you're going to have to cut that, Camille. Yeah. <laughs> you have to cut that. Yeah, yeah. He's also on ketamine. Yeah. So. <laughs> he's, he's, he's getting high off his own supply. Let's, let's be honest about this. For you, let's, two for me. <laughs> oh, and, and I don't want to rat anybody out, but uh, uh, the person who saw me the other day in a... In a uh, should I talk about it? Can I say that? Yeah. The email that I sent? I don't know what you're talking about. But. Okay. There's somebody that the school saw me dropping off my daughter and was like, I, I didn't come up to you, um, but love the podcast. And I wrote him yeah. back and I was like, dude, keep that shit quiet. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, I didn't let you in. And I was like, well, you know, I don't think they know. But once they do find out, they're going to try to find a way to eject their daughter. I mean, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a kind no, of they're on the like, uh, like at the, my daughter's after school, my six-year-old daughter's after school. Uh, uh, really nice uh, gal who works there is uh, you know, Coco is like, uh, oh, my dad has a podcast. No, yeah, don't, don't, don't tell him, please, don't uh, tell him. Oh, really? What's the podcast name? It's called Locked and Blocked and Reported, <laughs> Locked and Schmemorted, or whatever the fuck it is. I yeah. should have done that. You should have done that. <laughs> yeah, you I just don't have that quick thinking reflex. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, it's fucked up. Man. It's it's a funny thing to do a podcast when people tell you that they're listening to it, you're horrified. <laughs> it's like, oh, you shouldn't do that. I'm like, what, shouldn't you be encouraging more people? Like, no, 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 it's fine. That's it's just, not for you. It's just a little That's podcast. That's the fucking malcontents that come to Miami. Nobody listens to that. Nobody listens to that. <laughs> it's a, not Shay, true. should we do a show in uh, New York? I think we should do a show in New York. Oh, when are you back in should. New York, Camille? I mean, I'll be back around Thanksgiving. Are you All guys right, going to be in town? Seller show. Oh, because they're cool with that. We talk. I talked to to the guys over there. And what do you mean around Thanksgiving? Come here. Like around Thanksgiving, like after, after but, between right, Thanksgiving that. and Leah's birthday, which is December third. Yep. So I'll be in in New York for most of that window. Yeah, let's record some stuff. Let's do something live and yeah. have some fun. Yeah, we should get because, we should get yeah. like Sullivan and Donna Brazil. Get Sullivan to come up. He's like, yeah. he's like, oh, I hate New York. It's horrible. No, but we, but I want, I want Don Brazil back. I want oh, Don Brazil. We'll, we'll rip some bong hits before off and the get Donna fucking off knock her out. Shane, get off the chain. <laughs> she, Camille. By the way, if you didn't know that Camille was hung out with us um, after the after the we, show, we well, talked before, about it on the podcast. Was, we yeah, talked we about talked it before. Yeah, yeah. yeah when, when I did Bill Maher and she was on, and she was, it was so funny. I'm going to admit this now that I said to somebody. Um, oh, it'll be like a fun one because like she doesn't, she's like kind of boring. She doesn't say much, you know, cause I know her from like CNN and stuff, but this on this, this was not what I expected. She was like off the chain. She was like, Ooh, Lord, and I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Did Camille go black scent with her or how did he play it? No, no, I mean, I, it was, I didn't even understand what he's talking about. I don't do that. I don't do that. I was like, this is awesome. It's like a fucking Tyler Perry movie. I was, the des- I was the designated driver. I was the designated driver that weekend. That was more than blackout weekend. <laughs> oh <my laughs> the Bentley. Designated Uber caller, you mean? I literally yeah. blacked out. Yeah. 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 It hadn't happened in a while. I, I, I ran into an ex, uh, an ex of mine uh, yesterday. Uh-huh. Um, at, at, busy at, schedule there. Oh yeah, we're yeah, yeah. just totally off the rails. We are not and, and, doing the regular stuff today. No, no, no it's fine. It's fine. It's no, fine. This, this is kind of if you guys it, want to know what the uh, Patreon's what the Patreon is like. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like this. I mean, um, we're literally, we're having planning meetings. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's fine. It's fine. People like a look inside. This yeah. is like the DVD extras. Yeah. Um, no, in my, at my daughter's gym, like my ex girlfriend, um, was there. She brought. She's her daughter's going there. No, this is true. Yeah. And uh, I saw her yesterday and we went, uh, left the kids at the gym. They were doing their thing. We went and had uh, some food and, and a drink. Well, I had a drink and she was like, I don't drink anymore. 
And I was like, oh. And you know, like, I haven't seen this person in like 20 years and I'm still disappointed in them. Like, do you know what I mean? I'm like, I don't, this doesn't fucking have anything to do with me. But I was like, really? Are you sure about that? And it was like, she was like, why do you care? And I was like, it's just, okay. And I remember that when we were together, we had these horrible fights because we were always drunk. <laughs> she pointed <laughs> this out. And I was like, oh. So, yeah, you scared her straight? Uh, I think so. I scared her out of the relationship. That's for sure. Yeah. But uh, but she has a very uh, lovely uh, little girl, and she's uh, fantastic. But she doesn't drink anymore, and I'm disappointed in her. So, so anyway. Quitters. Yeah. Is there anything in the views that we should talk about? Um, Probably. Well, I mean, there's plenty of stuff. There's The Dave Chappelle drama is still, is still going on. Um, I think it was a little earlier today that the uh, co-CEO... Um, Ted, it's, it's, Ted uh, Sarandon? Sarandos, Sarandos, <laughs> um, not, not Sarandon. I, I keep on saying Theranos. Ted oh, Theranos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Oh uh, no, Ted, Sar- Ted, Sar- Ted Sar- Sarandos, <laughs> Ted Sarandos. You threw, you threw me for a loop wow. My fault. My Ted fault. Sarandos. Yeah. Ted Sarandos, um, wrote a, uh, wrote another, wrote another letter. Um, and it's actually interesting to watch how this plays out because this is a circumstance where a couple of days ago, um, yeah. someone posts something to Twitter explaining that they're outraged that Dave Chappelle's, and I, I don't know if I need to provide all the context. I mean, you people know at this point, Dave you Chappelle know, had a new special. There was some, some jokes were made. Um, the, the first joke in the special is literally him making a horrible, deplorable joke about, um, child molestation and, the only jokes the tone. that anyone actually cares about are the ones towards the end yeah. where he's talking about trans related stuff. And at some point calls himself a turf and says various other things. But the, the, the general outrage is about his comments about trans stuff. And one would actually have to watch this special for themselves to see what the context is. In my estimation, um, I can't Camille. It's too hurtful. Yeah. I just can't even, in, in, in my estimation, the the special is obviously not transphobic. the The purpose and intent so. of the routine that he's doing and the message is literally about regarding one another as humans and having respect for one another. In the closing credits, there's someone holding a sign that says "Black Trans Lives Matter." The outrage and furor over this is objectively absurd, but that has not prevented people from being outraged on Twitter, which hasn't actually had much consequence on Dave Chappelle at all, except perhaps to make more people watch this special on Netflix, which is still I believe, effect, in the yeah. top 10 now for Netflix and will almost certainly yeah. be among the most successful things that they've ever produced from their, their original catalog. God, I am really off today. But today, anyways, the woman who originally posted something to Twitter saying that this special endangered trans lives and and cultivated contempt for trans people originally was fired uh, because uh, she or suspended because yeah. she and some other members of the team tried to a- attend an executive meeting that they didn't have permission to attend but then there was a subsequent investigation and they were reinstated it seems as though they didn't mean any any harm by attending uh, and immediately people. thereafter this turns into a circumstance where there is now going to be some sort of walkout that is planned for, it sounds like next week where the trans group at Netflix, I guess a trans group that the employees have founded are planning a walkout and some allies will be joining them. And that is the context in which we find the story today. Ted 
issuing another statement. This is the co-CEO of Netflix, continuing to defend Netflix's decision to keep the special The Closer up on the platform, insisting explicitly that there is no likelihood that content like this promotes violence or is likely to cause violence to happen and insisting as well that, you know, they have a certain sort of latitude that they give to comedians. This is in bounds and they feel like their record is is clear um, in terms of their, you know, allegiance to or at least commitment to um, promoting tolerance, et cetera, um, and representing a broad spectrum of views on their platform, which there's something like refreshing about seeing someone who is in a leadership position, being willing to defend, especially going into kind of week two of this phony controversy. These are fringe ideas, by the way. It's always important to remember that despite the fact that they're pretty vocal and people say these things pretty commonly on Twitter and stuff, these are fringe ideas. But, you know, the weird thing about this, I think that they made, you know, a couple of miscalculations here. We can't get everything we want, right? But we should be able to in this situation. They said, oh, we're reinstating this person after one day of being being sidelined because they had good intentions. Literally, that's what they said. It's like, you mm-hmm. know, the road to she hell. Didn't mean, okay. She didn't mean she, she didn't, didn't mean, mean ill. She didn't mean yeah. harm. Yes, she, she did. Thought she, she thought she was going to a meeting she knew she wasn't invited to for a reason. To make a political point at a company she works at, um, she can just leave the company. You don't have any right to work there. You can fucking leave. This is not complicated. I'm sorry. But that's it. What people don't talk about in any way is they talk about Dave's special. Camille made actually a good point here about the child molestation joke is that nobody in the last special or the sticks and stones special made any any hay about the fact that he offered a full throated defense of michael jackson and (laughs) and it was very funny and no one said oh my god he's defending a you know accused credibly accused child rapist or something no no no, that wasn't it it's kind of like the 007 thing i don't care if you kill 300 million people but you just made a comment that was a little off color i'm going to shoot you in the head or throw you off a bridge or whatever it was but, you know, here's the thing that nobody is paying attention to in this. And this is what um, Ted Sarandon Theranos, his a double-barreled last name, is um, obviously paying attention to. You cannot do this and say this stuff gives harm or, or, or you know, is hurtful or harmful or, you know, kills people. That's what I would say, kill people, literally saying this, um, without opening the door to that in every other aspect of every other thing that you put on the platform. You know, you remember in the 1980s that this happened, and on, on the the Patreon, I hate to, to repeat myself, I said that these are these are the modern PMRC. This is the modern Tipper Gore, Judas Priest is killing young kids, and Ozzy Osbourne suicide solution, etc. If you do that, can you then not reasonably say because there's no data to back this up at all, none, zero zero data. So if you're saying this, it's just an instinct. Why can you not then go and and have a decent case, if this one is a decent case, to the leadership at Netflix and say, these movies are sexist and harm women. These movies are violent and harm children. These lyrics that are in this live concert film are X, Y, or Z and harm X, Y, or Z. This is a Pandora's box. And for some reason, we scorned this stuff in the 1980s, particularly people in the media, rightfully so. You know, D. Snyder, hilariously famously went Frank Zappa before Congress and just said, fuck you to these people. We don't have a fuck you contingent anymore. We have no one saying like, this is actually dumb. It is dumb that you think people will die because of this. Because I tell you what, there are other specials that they point to. 
Dave Chappelle had these specials in the past that were also transphobic, et cetera. Okay, then we have data, right? It happened in 2016. How many people were murdered as a result of the Dave Chappelle thing where people said there was a, a like a five people were murdered in Oslo or in, in, in Norway the other day. And it was a guy who was a convert to Islam and he killed them with bows and arrows and knives mm. and that's it. And he yeah. said, this is why I did it. Here are the things that motivated me. to. Do we have a single person who said, you know, had copy like pictures of Dave Chappelle on his wall after he committed, you know, this and the killing spree of no, of course not. And we need some sort of evidence that this actually, so they're not going for this poisons the culture. That's too low for them. They're going, this kills humans. I mean, and one of the things that Ted uh, Sizemore uh, said in his- Tom Sizemore's his name. Uh, <laughs> in his, in his uh, defense, and he's right to say this, is that people talked all kinds of stuff about what was going to happen to the culture of the youths with the single first-person shooter video games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Everybody who has studied the issue mm-hmm. has to uh, understand that it didn't um, correspond with a bunch of single first-person shooters. So right. quite the opposite is the case. Um, I wrote a big piece for Reason in 2016 when Hillary Clinton was still running for president about how um, she was actually uh, good friends with Tipper Gore, obviously, and was part of the PMRC back in the time. She transferred that energy from, uh, you know, stupid heavy metal songs and, uh, and Prince... Uh, in the late '80s, to video games and the internet in the '90s, right? The uh, the once a scold, always a scold. Once a scold, all, always a scold. She was, uh, in many ways, the single most um, influential uh, anti-free speech alarmist about kids. She hauled up the the uh, the, the teenage mutant turtles or the the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I think it, it was. Oh, I forgot about those. Um, as like you know, this is why. We really need to pass this new law. She backed, <laughs> in some cases, wrote um, at least four different laws that at some point were struck down by the California Supreme Court, by the United States Supreme Court, one by one by one by one, including in the early days of the Internet. Like she was the point man on on going uh, being Bill Clinton, like attacking Internet freedom in 1996 and was. What else happened in 1996? Matt, why don't you go do a little bit of that Internet stuff? <laughs> that was 98 uh but yeah like, i think it's, maybe he got into it in 96 i'm sure he was doing some shit in 96 dude he was doing that in 92 yeah, 88 yeah. And, and 84 but like um you're right and, and one of the things in in researching that like it was appalling to me that there were no zappas anymore and in fact the uh, haim saban who started the mighty morphin uh, power rangers became the biggest single donor um, supporter of Hillary Clinton's career is super rich dude has the Saban Center for this and that um, everywhere. And people are like, ah, OK, well, you know, that's just the price of doing politics now. Um, we don't have the high profile people. And if and those who haven't seen the Zappa documentary by uh, Ted Winter, uh, Alex Winter, um, everyone's named Ted. By the way, Alex Winter from um, Bill and Ted's Bill Excellent, Bill Adventure. Ted's Excellent, yeah. Excellent Adventure. Exactly. Yeah. Everyone's named, named Ted. Go look at that for uh, precisely those reasons um, and like the principled aspect of that. Uh, there wasn't any kind of equivalent thing with video games, with the Internet and et cetera. And it's a and it's a damn shame. And it's a damn shame that we didn't call out those people one by one by one every time that they were like resusticating this stupid argument yeah. that doesn't correlate with anyone getting hurt. One 
little point on this in people who have complained about this kind of pushback on this stuff. And there's a lot of people that push back on this stuff who are idiots, right? Let's acknowledge that. And who fucking cares? There's a, there's psycho people, the, you know, I don't even want to name any names, but I will. <laughs> I can't remember the guy's name. James, whatever it's called. You know, people don't like this guy. I don't like him either. But who cares? There's people on this side who push back on this stuff that are nuts. And then there are some people that say, you know, there was one person on Twitter that said this. You know, I love the fifth column. It's good. I'm revisiting it. But, you know, they get a little on this kind of cancel culture stuff. Well, I don't actually think that's true. I mean, we have a pretty broad, um, you know, uh, sort of palette of guests and, and issues and things like that. But let's pretend it is true. The one thing we told you a long time ago, and the one thing people like us who are from all parts of the political spectrum, by the way, there's people on the left, the center, the right, have said is that this is going to creep into the culture in a very, very sort of pernicious way. Did you think in 2014 that Netflix would be publicly, you know, on its back heels defending itself from a very, very tiny minority of people against a special that it was one of its most popular in the history of the platform? No, it's popular. That's it. Let it go. But we are in this place where this happens all over the place, all over the fucking place. We talked about maybe on the show, I can't remember if we did, the guy in Michigan who is the, the uh, a professor, uh, who's a Chinese-American professor and uh, Chinese immigrant uh, of, you know, he's a composer and in the music department at the university there and showed people uh, the Othello. That was it, Alec Guinness, I think that was in it. Or Lawrence Olivier. La- Lawrence Olivier. Lawrence Olivier it was, who was in Blackface. There was only two Brits ever. Yeah, that's the only one. Yeah. yeah there's, a, there's the one who was married to Elizabeth Taylor and then the other one. Um, and I think the other one was Winston Churchill. <laughs> but so this guy gets like sanctioned and there's people in his own department saying, I can't believe you showed this, the harm that it does. It's like, look, motherfucker, I know that this doesn't exist. It's a figment of all of our imaginations. It's not real. It doesn't exist. It doesn't really happen. Dave Chappelle's happy. Dave Chappelle said the other day, if this is what canceling is, give me more of it. Yes, because he's fucking rich. And he got $60 million for these specials. And you too would say whatever the fuck you wanted without any fear of consequences. But the people within Netflix are dealing with a different, different thing. It's not about Dave Chappelle. It's about, you know, the people inside creating a difficulty for them and having a walkout and creating a media storm. You know, imagine having a, you know, a company in which we have somebody who's right around the corner from us who actually, you know, in this apartment actually, who had a similar thing where, you know, we work for you. We don't like something that somebody associated with you said. So therefore we're going to make, no, you're fired. It's over. You're fired. We have to get back to a place where there's a Frank Zappa there's people that actually defend this stuff, regardless of what it is. If it's Skokie, if it's scumbag Nazis, defend it. And you're fired. That's the other thing you have to say. This is not a fucking public works project. This is not a job that you have to have, you deserve to have, you have a right to. You're gone. Go find a fucking puppet collective in northern Sweden and work there. You shouldn't be working at Netflix if you think these are jokes that hurt people. And I'm going to monitor, I'm going to hall monitor a movie that if the trans person maybe is not represented in the way that I think they should be, or if they're not represented by somebody who's an actual trans person, like, you know, Jared Leto or, you know, whatever these things that have happened in the past, then we're going to burn down the house for that too. Fuck you. You are not. You don't have that right. And we are not here to be ruled by this tyrannical minority of people 
that have absolutely radical views that the you know people in media don't believe are radical, but the rest of the country does. It's not normal to say that we should police all of the culture, the cultural content of the United States that in private companies to make everybody feel better or to make a political point that is better for humanity. That's called Stalinism. We tried it. It didn't work. And I'm done. Sorry. Yeah. We, we didn't really try real Stalinism. Well, <laughs> well they did. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't real. That's, that's true. And thank God for that. Um, yeah. At least we haven't gotten there yet. This There's one quote from one of the stories about the, the Netflix thing that just really like stood out to me. This is not an argument with two sides. It's an argument with trans people who want to be alive and people who That's don't totalitarian. want people who don't want us to be alive that is that's not that's not the art the ceo of the company if you work for a fucking company and you think the ceo wants you dead yeah. leave this the this call's all, coming from inside the house this all gets fucking brushed leave. off as oy, oy, oy. this all gets brushed off as offense though because if we're just too sensitive then it's easy to ignore us again they're suggesting that the terms of the debate are one oh, side that wants God. to live and another side that wants them dead it's completely insane it's insane. It's totally nuts. But it's also completely oh my on on brand for for the current epoch. Like this is yes. pretty much everybody this on all sides live. of the political spectrum. Every single political debate at bottom becomes, oh my God, they're going to kill us all. They're going to lock us up and put us in jail because we don't like critical race theory. Can you <laughs> imagine the unfucking mitigated gall of somebody to say to you that they are recasting this as a fence? When it's actually about our lives and our livelihood. Yeah. Motherfucker, you are recasting jokes as murder. As murder. <laughs> They're saying you want to murder you because they made a fucking joke. And at the end of it, Dave Chappelle does this very humane thing about this trans friend of his and a mm -hmm. uh, person that he was committed trying suicide. to kind of cultivate yeah. as a committed suicide. Who is, by the way, he's and he very um, specifically says, I don't know if this is what caused her to commit suicide, but she right. was beaten up quite a bit on Twitter for being a friend of Dave Chappelle's. But, you know, that, I mean, the only person dead in this is Dave Chappelle's trans friend that defended him. Sorry, mm. but that's true. It's eerily similar to what was happening in the summer of 2020 when people kept saying things like, all this property destruction is pretty bad. People should, should probably not be doing that. Oh, wow, this is bad. We should probably reel this in. And I would keep hearing over and over again, we're fighting for our lives. We're fighting for our very life. It's the reason why we're marching in the streets, because if we don't do this, we'll be murdered and killed by the police. Like It's all hysteria. All of it. There's an, there's an apocalypticism in the country that is tied hand in hand with the just the populist moment that we're in. I was thinking about this just today, writing a column for the print edition of the magazine about Mike Pence went to Budapest to take part in the fourth Budapest demographic summit. Yes. A demographic that summit. That doesn't sound fascist. That's, that's going to work out well. So you had like the fucking prime minister of, of uh, the Czech Republic um, saying, look, you know, in 30 years, Irish people are going to be the minority in Ireland. They're just getting pressed uh, by the really? know, indigenous populations are under threat. The only black person in Ireland was Phil Lynott. And he's awesome. And I want more Phil Linnets. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> as someone pointed out when I was retweeting like a 
77 or 78 World Series baseball clips, like everyone looks like Phil in it. Like just I'm must, saying, oh yeah, 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 yeah mustaches, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, Davy Lopes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Phil in it, spit, spitting image. Uh, but no, the apocalypse. Just, is, by the way, his his uh, solo single "Old Town" with the synths is fucking fucking great. Just gonna go Google it. Go. Ahead. Uh, uh, but the apocalypticism <laughs> is built into this whole new trad con and or you know Peter Thiel funded JD Vance asshole right wing, which is like you just base everything like we are in this war, uh, a civilizational war, and it's only Victor Orban, this little frog faced fuck from Central Europe who really understands the civilizational war is Rod Dreher, his John the Baptist. Uh, has come and it's and the apocalypticism is part of the throwing away of faith in the basic kind of American and enlightenment way of doing things. It's like saying, you know what? I'm sorry, we've just gotten tired. Um, it's not enough anymore to go through the slog of like democratic liberalism to try to persuade people in a way that's going to be unsatisfying and to compromise and whatever. No, the enemies are here. I want the the person. Maybe they're going to be a little bit rough edged, but you know what? They understand that we're in a fight to the death. And this is where your brain turns to cheese. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you're coming from, whether it's you think Dave Chappelle wants you dead, which is just objectively untrue mm-hmm. if you actually watch the motherfucking thing, um, or whether you think it's a Flight 93 election all the way down every time in every case, they're coming at the gates. This is when you are starting to apologize for or look the other way for really really awful bad behavior fucking stop it but by the way does it if you think the special is funny does that make you an accessory to murder yes okay just want to make sure um the the thing about this and and i you're right about this and in one of the things i can imagine people saying or pushing back on is that there is this streak on the right too and i we've talked about it endlessly on this podcast and the reason i don't talk about it more is probably because of the people that i live around who also point this out they point this out all the time. It's really like ad infinitum where I live and amongst the sort of liberal intelligentsia and amongst people, the New York Times, the New Yorker, et cetera. So it, it doesn't, you know, translate that, that I think that this is a sort of unidirectional thing, that it's only coming from the people who hate Dave Chappelle. There's unbelievable threats on all over the spectrum, but the ones that are coming from, you know, inside the house are not being addressed. Nobody wants to talk about it. And um, I think I mentioned, I might have mentioned this on the podcast. It was, I think it was Caitlin Flanagan I heard saying this was a great point where she said, um, if you go to a dinner party in a university town with people in the university and they know that you're Caitlin Flanagan, right? And you know, you write about this stuff in a, in a pretty smart way. They'll say, oh, I think this stuff is crazy too. And it happens all the time. Oh man. And it's like, yeah, you got to speak up about it in a way because it like, the problem with it is not that the I Spartacus moment, the problem is it gives the impression that the minority is actually not the majority. And it kind of is the majority. I mean, the number of people that you talk to that don't have a voice are in the middle of the country in, you know, or in New York or in California who aren't in media or whatever, or the people that are in academia and they feel stifled by this stuff. And of course, the un- unbelievable gaslighting of it, of that it doesn't exist. Why do you not want to talk about this thing? It doesn't exist. You know, if you think you're scared of this, you have some sort of mental disorder. Right, you have, right. You have, you're a paranoiac. It's like every experience that you've had is not real, says the person who sits in their, you know, apartment in Fort Greene, 
typing up tweets about how angry they are about, you know, the sort of, you know, Dave Rubin or whoever, and these fucking people. You know, the, the gaslighting on this and the kind of misperception of this because people don't want to talk about it is real. I'm sorry. It's true. If, if, if I've experienced this in ways that you couldn't possibly comprehend, going to people, talking to people, and people telling me, and when you do a podcast like this where we just don't give a fuck about what we say, people feel like they can open up to you, which is why somebody in the line at the fucking school sent me something today. And that's, that's real. And it happens all the time. And it happens to you and it happens to Camille. And Camille, you know, it happens to you all the time in, you know, Northern California, pretty, pretty blue spot mm-hmm. in the blue state. Mm-hmm. And people were like, hey, I, you know, that stuff you do is pretty great. Just hey, it's the strangest, just it's the strangest thing. It happens all the time, right? Yeah, all the time. All the time. Literally all the time. And then you go on Twitter time. and you're like, it's not real. That's not really happening. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? It is actually All happening. the time. But uh, yeah, I mean, and look, I, I do, I do kind of think that the fever's breaking a little bit. I'll, I'll say it again, put it out there again. Thanks. So um, I, I, we should probably get out of here because we've been. Yeah, this is yeah. we yeah. don't have a ton I'm of. Drunk. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much we've, how long this is, but we we've been going for a while. There were some extra it. innings. Um, so, anyways, let's get out of here. Let's come back minutes. next week. We'll do it again. Okay. It's going to be even better. Um, and I don't even yeah. know what it's going to be, but it's going to be. Better. We have a good Patreon this week if you want to go sign up and listen to it. Yeah, I mean, you should sign up for the Patreon. Continue to support us. Yeah. Thank you for your support. And bye. Thank you so much. Yeah. Bye. We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse.